What's up, everybody? It's Reese, and I'm here with Hakeem and Jason, and we're the diversified gentlemen. And today we have the pleasure of having our guest, Topaz, who is a black belt in jujitsu and a military veteran, a uh, combat vet. And we're just so happy to have him because, you know, we we've been following his platform. Uh, he has a podcast as well. He focuses on uh, martial arts and mental health. And basically, I just set the stage, so I'll let you take it from there, Topaz. Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, I like to tell people, you know, when they ask generally about wh who I am and what I do, I always start with um, um, Blaze Genius and Lark. So I, I consider myself a people person. Um, I love connecting with people and feeding off social energy. And I say I'm a Lark because I'm a morning person. You know, that army has instilled in me that early morning up, but I try to get to bed early. So those are the two big things. Um, right now, I'm in a process of transitioning from the military um, by trade. I'm a, I'm a flow coach, so that's peak performance. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with flow, it's a state of consciousness where you feel your best and perform your best. So we're using that to help transitioning service members or service members beyond transition um, find their second mountain. I say, I tell people it's been uh, eulogy virtues, vice resume virtues. So legacy is greater than currency. We want to do things and it's, um, build you up so that you lead a life towards, you know, towards uh, enriching other people's lives and society, right? Verse, vice, the strict focus on material gains and, and things of that nature. So we can get into that a little bit. I'm, I'm sorry, just, and that's your job in the military? No, no, this is what I'm doing now. I'm about to say the same thing. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh it's like, that's crazy. Wait, wait, wait. The Army's doing that? The Air Force needs to catch up. <laughs> the Air Force better do something. Um, by military trade, I'm a 35 Zulu right now. So uh, that's military intelligence. So... Oh. With Intel, once you reach E9, all of the uh, MOSs converge. So originally, I'm a, I'm a linguist um, by trade uh, in the military. And then, like I said, when you reach E9, you all converge as 35 Zulu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So you are a Sergeant Major in the uh, Army? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Man, so Sergeant Major, uh, Black Belt. You linguist. Back... Yeah, linguist. man. You Intelligence. You are <laughs> a Hey, diversified <laughs> gentleman. That's what he is. <laughs> you know, I the, the biggest piece with all that though is it just going going back to being a blaze genius. It really gives me the opportunity to to connect with a wide kind of breadth of people, right? And, and maybe we get into this a little bit later, but um, it's really helped me to see in all those different domains the lack of diversity, um, the lack of people of color in. Uh, military intelligence, the lack of people in uh, people of color in the E9 level, the 06 and above level, um, and jujitsu as a whole, right? So people of color are still, I would say, boxers, right? Boxing is what our parents grew up on. Boxing is what is taught to us as young kids. And you and really maybe karate, right? When you had uh, the old karate flicks back in the day, you know, so you'll have uh, some people of color doing karate. So jujitsu is is really not big um, in, in our community. So working on that as well. And the same thing um, with with all the other things I'm into, you know. Nice. Let's talk so about that real quick. So you we hear that a lot about things that we're not involved in, people of color. From your experience, what do you think that is? Like, why are we at the higher echelons of doing these things or different things that are unique that are outside of our traditional everyday culture? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I, 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 
I wrestle with that almost daily because I talk to a lot of people. Um, because and one thing I miss is um, I have a, a nonprofit that's focused on uh, mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So it's another area where it's very difficult to reach people of color, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't nailed it down. But from the military perspective, right, um, a large part of my service has been in the special operations community, another community where you don't find a lot of people of color, once again, right? Um, why that is, I don't know. And I'm still working to figure that out. It's a great question. Can you start with your story? Just uh, just give some background from like, you know, your upbringing to the man you are now today? Sure, absolutely. So um, I'm from New Jersey originally, um, grew up in New Jersey. Um, nothing really spectacular, you know, a normal life. I actually grew up in a town that was very diversified. Um, so I'm from the um, about 30 minutes west of the Jersey Shore. So I don't know if you guys ever seen the TV show that was on yeah. all the time. The Jersey oh, Shore. Yeah. I'm about 30 minutes west of there. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time on the beach, you know, a lot of time uh, sports. I'm a big soccer player, grew up playing soccer. I'm half Puerto Rican. So um, a lot of soccer, um, family all play basketball, all play soccer, all play baseball. So very, very athletic family growing up. Um, I, I had the choice between academics and soccer and going to college. And then I decided to go to the army instead because I just felt like I, I wanted a different type of independence. Um, joining, our, joining the National Guard actually. And then uh, after I got home from, from training in the National Guard, I was like, no, nah, I wanna go active duty because the nation, going back home, it just didn't feel right. Um, so went on active duty, spent some time overseas. And then um, I found an organization that I, that I got into and I spent a lot of time there, a long time there. So a lot of deployments. Um, I found jujitsu along the way. An interesting story is I started jujitsu because um, I was doing uh, Muay Thai, so kick fight, uh, kickboxing. And um, I had a bout of depression. And so I found uh, jujitsu and it kind of helped me out of that funk. So I stayed with it um, all along the way. Um, and then about, I started um, what wasn't a, wasn't a certified nonprofit at the time. It was just like a unsponsored organization that I was running in my free time, uh, helping with mental health, providing uh, recreational activities to help people um, build a community, bring people together, share time together. And then I lost two friends to suicide within 45 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that happened, I decided, okay, now we need to make this an official nonprofit organization, 501c3, so that we can start raising money and giving back to the community on a larger scale. And that was about a year, a little over a year ago. Yeah, I battled with some of that as well. Um, I had some work issues. And at the same time, um, you know, my my mother passed away and within a, you know, four to six month period, and you, you know, you hear, especially in the military over the last decade, they've been really pumping um, mental health, suicide awareness, uh, and you have no idea until you go through it. You know what I mean? And even when, once you hit it, um, you're not really sure, you know, you can't put your finger on it, what's wrong with you, where, uh, you know, I remember going to the PCM and now uh, hindsight, when you go to the PCM, they ask you, you know, do you feel about harming yourself? Do you care about things? Um, in the last, you know, 30 days, do you want to do things that are pleasurable? 
And when you're in a, you know, a, a sound mind, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? And then I remember going to a mental health, um, uh, a mental health session, and they, they asked you the same thing when I was when I was battling it, and I was hesitant. Like, how do I answer it? Like, I want to mm -hmm. be honest, but then I don't want to be flagged and be put. And I'm medical, so it's you know it's that almost that conflict of interest. The people that are seeing me and treating me, I work with day to day. Um, so you know, I kind of fudged it, and then you know, uh, it's it's funny too when you're going through it. You don't really want help. You kind of just want to be left alone. You kind of want to be um, in the shadows, right? And then finally, just just thankfully, I was able to to push through. And then when you do, you're a whole, you're just a totally different person, and you see things totally different. And you, you're looking for signs. And when someone goes through something, even though they may not have a sign, you know, like that's traumatic. So you know, you're you may be overbearing with. Seriously, if you need anything, because everyone's gonna say, "I'm okay." Yeah, you you all right? Good. You know what I mean? Then you keep it moving. But um, I think certain people, you could tell when they when they've gone through something, um, they they basically make sure that no one else basically feels that, or or tries to assist as much as possible. So, can you relate to that? You think? Yeah, I think I think you hit on the number one thing that that we see. You know, is one because of the stigma associated with mental illness, and two um, because of the concern with jobs, right? Especially in in the area where I'm at, I'm in the DMV, so of course you have you know the, really the height of the defense industry with regards to um, you know intelligence and things of that nature, right? So people don't like to talk about those things for fear of, of losing their job. Yeah, that's security so clearance. Yeah, that's security clearance. Yeah, absolutely. So. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of social interaction and of having that community, that support network. Um, jiu-jitsu provides that, although jiu-jitsu is hard and we can talk about that later, but jiu-jitsu provides that because what, and this is why we do recreational activities, because what it does is exactly like you talked about, Reese, is like people are going to fudge the paperwork or tell the clinician or the doctor or whoever it is, I'm doing fine. But if you continuously put yourself in an environment with people who have shared experiences and similar experiences, the truth is going to come out, mm -hmm. right? So if the four of us meet every week and play basketball and Reese and I, every week we're talking about, man, I had, you know, the worst headaches last night. I was so depressed last week. And then Hakeem is like, yo, I've been dealing with that too. All his paperwork ain't going to say that, right. but he sees it all the time. So he feels very comfortable. And then Reese and I look at each other and be like, yo, you just heard what he said. <laughs> Like he's never said that before. Mm -hmm. Now we turn around and we, we can pull him aside and, and have that conversation because he knows the trust is there, right? The shared experience is there and, and we're all there for each other. So this is the importance to me of interpersonal relationships, social networks, community, tribe, whatever you want to label it as, um, having those ways because that, that intermediary is going to be the real key to discovering the challenges. It's not gonna be the clinician. It's not gonna be the commander. It's not gonna be the Sergeant Major because you're not gonna to talk to those people. We push, we push positive um, or, or uh, not positive, but mental health awareness, right? In the military, a lot. We, we push that a lot. And also in the civilian sector, I see it a lot as well, you know, through commercials and all of that. But everyday life, everyday, um, conversation 
um, outside of friends, it doesn't really happen. Like, is it is it taboo or like, why do you feel that mental health is still such a sensitive topic? I think it's, yeah, I think it's a stigma. I think it's a stigma associated with um, it seeming to be a weakness, mm-hmm. right? It is still considered a weakness. And what, if there is a, a positive that can come out of the COVID pandemic, it's the, it will be the reality that, you know, post-traumatic stress is not limited to combat veterans, that uh, people that social distancing and isolation is going to have a heavy impact on mental health uh, going forward. So people will see that it will, it affects everyone, you know, and I'll tell you, um, since I've been on clubhouse, you know, I've been on the veterans networks there and you will get veterans in the room that will talk about everything, everything in that room, because they know they're there with other veterans with shared experience. But I can tell you, if you pulled one of those out as a clinician and said, Hey, tell me about what you're going through. You're not going to get that. Yeah. I think clubhouse is a safe place because you know, you're not on video I mean, granted, you can tie your uh, uh, IG to it, but you don't have to. So you can get on there. No one knows who you are. And like you said, you feel like you're in a safe space with people who's been through the same type of experiences versus that, um, you know, I I mean, I'll just say the everyday um, civilian who, you know, may not have done that. Right. And we all, to a certain extent, and, you know, me and Jason, we're, we're officers. So. Uh, it seemed like, you know, senior listed is the same thing where you get to a certain stature and that's even more pressure because you got to, everyone's looking to you to have your stuff straight, right? And um, once you cross a certain rank, you're, you know, you're in the 1% and not only you're the 1%, you're a man of color, right? So you, you, you can't, um, you, you basically have to have that perfect image and that's even more pressure when you're going through stuff and your circle is even smaller because you know the lower rank you are when you first come in you can go to anybody you know you can go to your supervisor um that master sergeant um the first sergeant have going through this and but when you hit a certain uh certain rank it's on you like i can't go i can't bring those issues to them they gonna look at me like handle it do what you, you know what you need to do you know all of the resources out there and plus you're leading the people you need to set the example and that's even just more compounded pressure on you, um, not to even include the the life things that everyone goes through. And it's just unfortunate. Yeah, something that Topaz touched on that I, I really gravitated to was that tribal communal healing type of thing. We got to think about it this way. You think about gangs, you know, how do people join a gang? How can they do that? Is it got that shared common struggle? They got that shared common interest and it's easy for them to gravitate to each other. Take that same model with mental health. Like, like what you do, instead of having them sit around in a circle, talk about their feelings, talk about what happened, you put them in a situation where they're doing an activity. Now they're relaxed around people that understand them, they're going to do the same thing. They're more likely to open up. And maybe that's where that healing begins, where somebody that talks like them, looks like them, says, hey, I did these things to get me out of this funk, or I did this. They're more likely to take that, that advice or take that guidance. Rather than a, a commander or a supervisor saying, yeah, I understand you got some problems and you go see a mental health provider. It's it's less likely they're going to do that because you first of all you got that fear you got that stigma you got the career impact you're gonna be like i'm not doing that but if that gateway is different where it comes from peers that you're in a social group with doing things they're more likely to take that information on so what you guys are doing is i think it's revolutionary when you mentioned it because that's not common where you just don't do the whole there's group settings you know you can do the circle the power get right around but you do that 
social interaction when people had those same issues, and then it comes out slowly, and they're more likely to get that help they need later on. So I think we should go back to this tribal community healing. You know what I mean? You take those those same things that we use for negatives, like the gang. I always put gangs in that, and put it to the same thing. Put it in our communities, people that are like minded that can have that discussion. And that's how it is, especially with the military. We like all just said, you come from that background, you know a certain lingo, you're gonna be able to relate. Take that same thing with mental health. If we do something like that, opinion, which you're doing, that's going to be a key to healing, man. The only thing about that is when you're when you're speaking of the people of color, especially men of color, we have to break down the stigma that mental health is a weakness versus a strength. Showing that I am openly talking about my issues—that's a strength, right? It takes a lot for people to to come out. Um, we have to break that stigma. We have to break that um, label of, you know, when you're weak because you're suffering mm-hmm. from depression. You're a man. You shouldn't be suffering from depression. We we, we got to get out of that mind frame. I don't know how that's done. I guess you can just continue to talk about it. But until we, we get out of that stigma, I, I don't. I think we're slowly getting there, though. I, I think yeah. the culture is slowly getting there. I think uh, now you have you know, rappers, that's all they talk about is, you know, their feelings. And then in the, in the 90s, you could forget about it. No? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So happening. now I think we're, we're getting to that. Um, and, you know, nothing happens, you know, with sexism, yep. racism, like nothing happens overnight. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, also in the military, to get promoted, you got to have that stellar record. You could have never been through anything and sometimes um it's just a vicious cycle because you put people at the top who has this stellar record and you know more than likely they're commanders um and they are you know from a from a background who i wouldn't say was privileged but may not understand the uh issues that come up from being, coming up in certain environments and um, just, you know, for instance, just even just being in a world where you, you serve in the military um, and you may be a African-American male, still get pulled over by the cops uh, just because you're driving while black. Um, and guess what? The next day you still got put on that uniform, show up to work, smile and act, you know, professional. And again, that, that's more compounded pressure attention building in you and if you don't have those leaders um who can't sympathize or empathize with you um they're, they're just like you know what's what's that person's issue and i but i i, I like that um so kind of what topaz brought up with diversity and at least in the air force you know our last uh chief mass sergeant of the air force was african-american male he changed some things and then following him um was a female uh asian uh, Pacific Islander female. Now she's, um, you know, the top tier enlisted in the Air Force. And now we have African-American um, chief of staff. So that actually helps, helps a bit. Yeah, I, I, I want to go back to two things, if you guys don't mind, that, that, that Hakeem and Jason said earlier, because I think they're, I think they re- one, they really resonated with me, and two, and I think they're really important. Um, first, you hit on um, how do we get more uh, people of color to talk about mental health, right? And we'll talk about that one first. Um, I think it's the the people that we look at as 
role models, if you want to call them that, or influencers, they need to speak up because that's, whether we like it or not, right? Our kids, they're going to listen to us. They're not going to acknowledge that they're listening to mm -hmm. us, even though it's going in the back of their mind. But that influencer role model, whatever they want to categorize them at, as, that's who they're listening to, right? So you have a little bit of, let's take a guy like LeBron James that talks about it a little bit. So, okay, now it's resonating. Uh, Dak Prescott comes out and talks about his struggles and he gets made fun of uh, on ESPN, you know, just shut up and play. Nobody cares about your mental health. Those are the things that are going to impact um, people recognizing that mental health is a real issue and that we need to address it. Um, because unfortunately, as much work as we will continue to do, the four of us, Unless we become multimillionaires, people are going to be like, yeah, that's great that they're saying that, but it's just those four guys, mm -hmm. right? Until you get that, that maybe Tyler Perry or, or somebody at that level that's talking about it, then it's not, it's not really going to resonate. I mean, right? I'm getting, he may not be the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Kanye does talk about it though, yeah. you know, a little bit. I want to hit on my second point. My second point was when you talked about community and social interactions, right? Uh, like I said, I'm a flow coach. So we talk about the neuroscience, right? Um, I tell people personality doesn't scale, biology scales, right? So that's one of our tenets. And when you look at biology and you look at evolution from an evolutionary perspective, so, uh, society, social interaction, and being with a group of like-minded people is what causes you to survive, enables you to survive. The lone guy is gonna get, you know, if you look at evolution, hunted down by the lion and killed, right? So you have, in a time of crisis, you can fight, freeze, or flee, right? Or what we say, you can drop into flow, which allows you to become collaborative, become creative, and become innovative. And you do that as a team, right? So over the course of history, Evolution is what's shown that people that can collaborate and join a society to uplift one another, they persevere. And that's what we have to look at from the mental health perspective as well, is we need to use social interaction, community, communitas really at the higher level beyond community from a societal level and uh, uplift one another. So I really, I really liked um, Jason when you were talking about community and, and the importance. And the gang is really a great metaphor mm -hmm. because we look at the gang from a negative perspective but if you take people, really, right, and you put them in, in low living conditions, right, the people that come together and uplift one another, yeah, we're looking at it from a negative perspective for the gang of maybe the activities they're doing, but they're helping each other survive. Right, they're going to hold it down. Right, that, that group to persevere in the conditions. The only lone guy that I've seen survive like that, maybe, uh, What's the name from The Wire? You know, he was the only dude that could Omar. do it. Omar. 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 He only got so far. He only got yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. Omar, Omar, Omar who could do it alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Was, I, read a, I read an article a couple of months ago, man. I forgot where I read it. About mental health. You know, I'm, you know, I have kids and everything, and a son in the military, and mental health is a big thing for me. I was reading an article, and the article said that the people that have the strongest mental fortitude right now in America, and to be surprised, an article said this, it said black women. And I was like, okay, it surprised me. The reason they said that in the article is because most black women in the United States belong to a church, they're church going, they have that faith. So everything you talked about, that sense of community, the church provides that. You know, that their moral compass, it provides that. Like-mindedness, it provides that. You know, and, and because of that, they literally have the strongest mental fortitude of all people in America right now. 
and you people say, well, you know, the black woman is being, you know, um, in a, being treated horribly. She treated bad. Yes, that is true. But their mental fortitude is allowing them to hang on a little longer and allowing them to get through these things a little better than an average person. And that you nailed it with the community. That's what, that's what they have a lot is that starts with that, that black church that, that most black, black, black American women are going to. It created that strong mental fortitude. So that's, that may be the key to this is that the tribal, back to the tribal, tribal kind of mentality of protection and providing for the tribe. And I'm not saying it has to be the same skin color, or it has to be the same gender or the same background, but people have to have a tribe. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be the, the key to getting us out of this, this recent funk that the world seems to be in, is to have more of that, you know? Yeah. And I think it goes, it really goes back to, I mean, it's a larger scale when I was reading, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but it talks about hyper-individualism. So that's what they talk about from uh, the American uh, really perspective on, on life, right? On achieving what we were saying earlier, the eulogy, uh, sorry, the uh, resume virtues, mm -hmm. right? So it'd be great. People think I need to be an entrepreneur by myself, not help anybody be uh, really, it's a selfless pursuit, right? And so I say there's two types of people in the world, right? There's a type of person that sets out to build the tallest building and he goes out and does it. And then there's a type of person that sets out to build a medium building and knock everybody else's building down, right? So hyper-individualism hyper is that person that wants to build that, that huge building by himself, maybe knock a couple down too. He's kind of in the middle, but they're not looking for community. We have to sell, right? Sell is probably a bad word, but we have to instill this thought in people that we're doing it all for the community uplift the entire community. It's not about uh, the individual self to a degree, but overarching aspect of it, you've got to do it for everybody. Yeah, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, exactly. go together. <laughs> yep. yep, that's it, man. That's it. Yeah, one thing that uh, brought up um, earlier about those that are on top, and Topaz, you actually uh, uh, spoke about it as well with your Tyler uh, Perry reference. When you get to that, level the margin of error is so slim um that one mistake can ruin you in some in some aspects and i think it's fear that just keeps a lot of people in those uh positions from really coming out with those with their issues with their mental with their mental issues um you see uh topaz you brought up the news being you know um a, a hindrance right in in a certain sense uh, like when Dak was talking about his depression, the news just beat him up for it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's like, how do we expect people to open up to those, to the public, you know, to be that 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 uh, that spoken hero of sorts when you're getting bashed by the media? Mm -hmm. Like this could ruin my career. This could ruin what I've built. You know, that is it's unfortunate and 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 scary. No, I agree. I agree hundred um, percent. Colin Kaepernick would be a perfect example, right? <laughs> where he spoke out and we, we see where he is mm -hmm. now, but he's doing great things. It's not in the spotlight, but he's still continuing to do great yes, things. Yes, so like so, you, have, you have to pick or choose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You have to decide on, you know, the, you know, what, what you want to do, what you want. So this goes back to write your eulogy virtues, right? Do I want to be the most popular football player that ever lived? Or do I want to be the person who took a stand for what I thought was right and I continue to uplift the community? And it's a very difficult decision. And I don't think a, 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 you know, a kid in his 20s 
you know, or 25, 26, 24 is going to choose uplifting society. Yeah. Right. right. Um, their, their dream has always been to be what, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, they didn't, they didn't grow up to be a philanthropist, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was talking to a teacher, I teach high school a little bit. He was talking about how we always ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what do you do when you grow up? I want to be this, I want to have this, I have this. He said, well, if we change that and ask kids, what impact do you want to make in the world? Maybe that has framed their mind a little differently in what they decide to do later on. Maybe they won't just chase wealth and money, but maybe they'll chase wealth and money for the purpose of meeting the need for a society. You know what I mean? Maybe we change that narrative. And right now we don't do that. You can ask kids, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. Good, they make a lot of money. You know what I mean? But not getting a little deeper. Like what impact do you want to make in the world? They say, well, I want to make sure nobody is ever hungry. All right, cool. You should think about doing these things to get you there to that point. You know what I mean? Different and conversations. It and it continues when you're an adult because, oh, yeah. you know, when you're a man, they always ask, all right, so what do you do? Which means, yeah. what's your job? How much yeah. do you make? For women, you know, they they, they, they kind of slide it in as to, why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? And that's just right. more, that's just more pressure. And even in the military, all right, how long have you been in? You know, they may look at your rank, you know, all right, what's, what's your rank? What's, what's your job? And it's all like status driven, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just more pressure that society um, puts on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it comes back to the role of the parents because a lot of people, when you look back, parents didn't have the decision, uh, couldn't make the decision for themselves, right? So it's like, hey, maybe I wanted to be X, but I wasn't given that opportunity because back 20, 40, 50 years ago, you could only be this. And now in their mind, it's like, yeah, I got it. You want to be a, I don't know, uh, a writer, but you got to go out and get a job and work nine to five, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's what they were told. Right. So it goes back to having this, this growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And your the, the parents have to have the growth mindset to understand what, like, you have to find their particular, I call it a circle of genius, right? And then let you explore that circle of genius. We go back to curiosity, right? Everything starts with curiosity. Uh, curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, mastery. That's, the, that's the, the, the flow kind of passion kind of recipe that we, that we walk through. And if you're ever struggling with, you know, deciding what you want to do or feeling if you're in the right place, we tell people go back to curiosity, um, play with anything that you're interested in and figure out, you know, how you feel about those things. So if I work nine to five or military is a great example for me, you know, as I'm retiring and I'm like, I know I don't want to stay in this career field. Okay. Well, what am I curious about? Let me go play with these five things for a little bit and then kind of dial that back and say, okay, I'm really interested in this one. Now let me research and investigate this Mm. And see how much I really like it. Get into groups with similar people. Talk about the career field. Talk about and what they like about it, what they don't like. And then I figure out something in society. We call this a massively transformative purpose. Where my interest, where my passion intersects with a, I'll use the word crisis, but something in society that can be used for, for the greater good, that you can impact the greater good. Where those two things intersect, that's where you develop your career field. So for me, it became mental health and helping transition service members pursue their passion, live second mountain principles. So we, we, we've got to help kids explore their, their circle of genius. Mm, I like that. I want to go back to COVID. Um, a lot of people are saying that, you know, even when the country or the world opens back up, um, 
the like um, telework is still going to be a big thing, and that's just so unfortunate. I, I think you know, with, with even with school, my my youngest daughter's five, and she's in kindergarten, and her her introduction to school is a lap talking to her teacher on a laptop at five years old. And you know, we we got to the point at the beginning, it was like, you know, sit down, focus. Why are you spent? But now we're just like, this is at five years old. I can't imagine this being considered school, right? So, you know, we let her do her own thing, basically. <laughs> like she spins in the chair. She um, basically does her own arts and crafts while the school is going on because that's like almost the foundation of society when it, when it comes to kindergarten. You're just learning how to play with other kids that aren't related to you. You're, you're learning how to take instruction from um, a superior, you're learning how to follow directions. Um, and just to have that on a laptop, it's kind of like, what's the point? Another thing is I'm originally from Chicago and, um, you know, I, so I follow kind of the, 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 the politics and what's going on there, the current events and the mayor, this was when it first kicked off, right? The mayor was walking around like the South side of Chicago. She had two police officers with her and it was these kids in the park, right? Like, in the the, the um, basketball courts outside. And it was like three or four of them, they were just hanging out and they didn't have any mask on or anything. She came with her mask and her two big cops and was like, hey, go back home, you know, break this up, social distance, you go get your grandma sick. And I just thought that was just so uh, condescending. She didn't know these kids background. She didn't know if, you know, they lived in a one bedroom apartment with eight people you know what I mean? That she didn't know what they were going through. And these kids were like 15 or 16. And I just think it's, it's, it's so condescending when you have these 50, 60, 40 plus year old people who lived all of these, this life. They've never done anything similar to, you know, this lockdown, this COVID. And now we're kind of pointing our finger at, at, at teenagers and 20 year olds who are like in the midst of, you know, exploring and, and finding themselves and want to hang out. We're saying no. Be responsible. Stay home. Don't do anything. You know, you when you're. I thought about this. My I have a four year old son. Basically, twenty five percent of his life have has been this. You mm. know, I have a five year old daughter. You know, twenty percent of her life has been this. I have a ten year old. Um, ten percent of her life has been this, and I don't think people think about that. And they will never get these years back. And they're stuck in the house. If you're twenty years old, five percent of your life has been this, right? And we really need to kind of look at things differently when it comes to to stay at home, be safe, you know, um, be responsible. You know what I mean? Partying and hanging out is not that important. We need to get through this. And I think it kind of is. There's a balance. That's pretty damn interesting, Reese. Like, I never really thought about it in that in that aspect. I have at times looked at my little girl. She's two. And I'm like, man. You know, she started to get into the, the phase of like, you know, remembering certain things. And she looks around, she sees people with masks. Like, that's what she knows. And uh, at, at my job, I work with a bunch of, you know, I got 20 year olds that I supervise and they want to go out and party. So you bring that up, Reese, it, it, it has to be a balance because it helps with their mental stability, right? Going out, being with their friends, they're having that social interaction. You want that at 20 years old, right? You need it at 20 years old. You need it. You need yeah. it. And now we have 
this whole pandemic going on, lockdowns going on, and we wonder why people are depressed, not wanting to really, you know, like we're still going to the office. These, these kids don't want to go there. Like, and if they do, it's because they actually get to be around people. You know, like it's 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 just it's crazy. Like like you said, it's very it's very uh, contradicting. A lot of a lot of the rules. I get it. It's for the safety of others, right? Especially our, our elderly. But I don't think we've we definitely didn't think it through. <laughs> Hasn't really been thought through. Um, and 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 the second and third order effects of this um, can be lasting. I mean, we, we had a guy commit suicide um, over, what was it, Thanksgiving? 21 years old, committed suicide. So it's definitely taking its toll on people. You know, it's just not the, the, the virus killing folks. It's, it's mental instability and rules that are breaking people down. That's a very good point, man. Sure, the, 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 the impacts of social distancing, social isolation will be much longer lasting than the virus itself, right? And you can give a vaccine to, you know, lower your chances of getting COVID, but there's nothing that you can give to people that are dealing with uh, the mental health challenges of being isolated for a year plus, right? Um, to the education piece, you know, one thing that, that I've seen from this is, um, you know, the school system should probably relook at our, our method of instruction. Um, what, the one biggest thing that I've learned is the Montessori method um, is, you know, this gives a stronger case to the Montessori method, allowing kids to play, allowing kids to be creative, um, not necessarily teaching, hey, this is, uh, we, we like to say it's, you know, you go to school to, to uh, here's what to learn, but not learning how to learn. Mm, yes. Where Montessori flips that, you know, Montessori, they teach you how to learn. Right. I'm not a Montessori kid, um, but, I, you know, I've been researching it as well. And I'm actually a fan of the asynchronous learning day. So my daughter's this is her first year in middle school. So even though she's older, she's dealing with the same experience that you said, Reese, where the only thing she knows of middle school is all online. And we all know what middle school is like, the importance of interaction at that age. But she only knows it online. Right. But I like the asynchronous day. The issue is. Not everyone has a parent that can be there on that day to help do creative activities or working within what I said, your circle of genius or exploring their curiosities. That's just not, that's just not reality, you know? So it's going to be very difficult. It's gonna be an interesting challenge um, when they go back to in-person in school. So my daughter is very introverted, uh, my youngest. And, you know, her challenge is being on camera. She doesn't want to be on camera, right? But the teachers are like, hey, I need to see that you're in class. I need you to key the mic and speak up. But that's not her personality. So there's a lot of kids now that are feeling this pressure, you know, this stress just to be in class because they have to be on camera. They have to, where you can sit in the classroom and you get kind of built up by the other people to your left and right. You know, the, 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 the dialogue, the engagement, the emotions that you can see, it helps you. And that stuff is not there virtually. So it's very important. Yeah, that social interaction. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. Like you said, like, it's going to be so, it's going to be interesting, you know, 10, 20 years from now where uh, professors and, you know, um, basically like bosses are saying this new generation, what generation are we in now that are? Why? Why? Anyway, that generation 
are going to have so many like gaps and challenges yeah. um just the way they interact with each other and what and what we're asking them to, them to do because you know technology can't do everything you know what i mean yeah it's very right. it's limited and as far as people like what are the purpose of people it should be other people and you know family and community um and yeah this is over the last 12 months that's been stripped and it made sense maybe the first you know two, the two months of this i mean you think going about, into like, year, Topaz, oh my like goodness. your daughter being in middle school you think about going back to middle school right let's just let's let's take a let's take a trip you know back in memory lane where you know you go to middle school you know you got your school lunches and your assemblies and and yeah. you know like I got friends that I still talk to yeah. from middle school. It's like how do you build that that human connection? Yeah. I can't make friends online. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And the first time you like look across like that girl's cute. How do yeah. I talk? You know what I mean? Yeah. How do I wear my? How do yeah. I present myself? How what looks good? How, are you doing? how do I make how are you jokes? Doing you know. How are you passing a note in the in the yeah. virtual classroom? Like I don't know about where you guys went to school, but. For me, for high school, we had probably five or six elementary schools that funneled into the middle school, mm -hmm. right? So here where I live at, they don't. They have maybe two or three schools that funnel into the middle school. But still, these are kids you're never going to interact with. You haven't interacted with your first five years of elementary school. And now you're all coming together in one place. And you're meeting all these new people, right? Now you're on the screen where you're like, I don't know that person. I'm not even going to try to talk to mm -hmm. them because you're in this type of environment. Yeah. So yeah, very, very difficult situation. Yeah, self-confidence, self-esteem, you know, even, even uh, the first year of high school, I went to all boys school and it was terrible, right? Literally <laughs> the, the two main things, the two main pastimes were fighting and roasting each other, right? So you get to the point where you have to be sharp. You had to, you got to have thick skin. And then thankfully, uh, my mom couldn't afford it. So sophomore year, I went to like a public school, right? And um, just the, just during that year, just what I've learned with um, this self-confidence, self-esteem, just learning jokes, being quick on my feet. Um, yeah, that's like invaluable. Like I still have that today and you I would have never had that if I would have, you know, my, my freshman year I would have done online. It, it's just it's just it's like, they're, like they're missing the like they, they're missing the building blocks of whatever their character is going to be when they get older. You know right. what I mean? Like those intangibles, like you said, like your wittiness, your quickness, like you can't learn that not being around people you have to be around folks you gotta need social cues you gotta have those yeah all right yeah very interesting topic so we we definitely have to have you on again but um we're about to wrap it up and what we like to do is um we, we like to give the people our audience something tangible to leave with so you know we had a, a pretty deep discussion on mental health and we just want um we're just going to go around and we want to start with you on um, any advice you want to give the people as to if they're going through something now or if they, um, you know, have a family member or friend close to them, how can they help them? Or anything you want to give advice on? Yeah, um, so I'm actually, uh, my, my coaching business is, we call it Escape Velocity. So Escape Velocity, I say Escape Velocity is fueled within. And when I say within, it's inspiration, both inspiring yourself and others and breath work. So you can 
uh, take advantage of the gap between stimulus and response. So it's inspiration. Intellect, so being a lifelong learner. Interpersonal relationships, which we've talked about in depth. Intrinsic motivation, being motivated by things greater than self, self being society and things like that. Um, and invest, investing in yourself so you can invest in others as well. Um, with that being said, um, it's not about the present moment. It's all about trajectory, right? So as long as you put yourself on an upward trajectory, take small incremental steps like compound interest, step-by-step, step, you'll get to that goal. So just remain positive. It's not about the present moment. It's all about trajectory. I think, I think I'll talk about what we, what we brought up earlier is um, don't allow fear to uh, uh, take over what you could possibly do for others. Um, you know, being that voice, uh, being that outspoken person, um, you know, speaking on whatever issues that you have going on, I'm pretty sure there's someone else going through it as well. You know what I mean? And they can definitely use that voice. Um, just don't be scared to talk about it. I mean, everyone goes through issues. We all have stressors. We've all been depressed, like some more severe than others. Um, talk about it and just be open and, 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 you know, get the help. And I'm pretty sure you'll be able to help others. The last thing I have is the same thing I mentioned earlier is that everybody goes through these things. Like Hakeem said, you go through those bouts of depression, the sadness or anxiety, that kind of stuff there is find your community, find your tribe, those people that are going to lift you up, not just make you feel good, but those that are going to make you uh, progress and help you out of that funk that you're in and seek that, seek that help. A lot of times it's easy to you get a cut on your arm, see a doctor, whatever, because you can see the visual um, injury. You can see the problem. Mental health is a little different. You can, really can't see that. Now, there's symptoms, things that, that can uh, manifest themselves, but they're harder to see. And uh, so you got to be that, be, have that courage enough to go get help. And I don't mean like, you know, I'm going to call a mental health provider, but seek community out that can help you out of that. You know what I mean? It's okay. There are people going through it. Everybody might not say it. But just seek out that community, that tribe that you can trust and you can then get involved with, whether it's a church, a social group, whatever that is, but find that. There's strength in numbers with those that have your, your mental health and your emotions and that they care about you. Make sure you find that tribe. Yep. And lastly, when I was going through uh, my depression, um, one of the best advice I got was from uh, my first supervisor in the military, uh, Joy Satterfield. She said keep doing what you always loved, right? So she asked me, um, you know, was I working out? And she straight up asked me, was I doing jujitsu? And I said, no. She said, you gotta do that. You know what I mean? Um, basically take that joy away from you. And basically I was forcing myself um, during lunch. There was a um, lunch training spot. Uh, my supervisor let me go. And every day I went, I just felt so much better. And I, and I think, that was starting the, the path to kind of like recovery. Um, and so that, that old adage, like jujitsu saves lives, I, you know, is, is I mean, it's spot on. Um, I'm a living testament of it. So keep doing uh, the things you like to do, um, you know, no, no matter what happened and don't beat yourself up, so. But Topaz, man, we, we really appreciate you. Uh, definitely gonna have to have you on again. Um, and we'll definitely post and and advertise your uh, your your page and your site and 
just so people can get in contact with you and, and follow your story. So we No, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was really great um, to meet you guys. Uh, Jason Hakeem, who we, you know, we just met today. Yeah. Um, Reese, man, we got to get you back on the mats too, like you just said, man, because- Choke you know, him out. <laughs> we, know, we know how good it is for us. So I really appreciate it um, on Instagram, uh, Workplay Obsession, uh, Facebook, Workplay Obsession, All In Foundation, and then also WorkplayObsession.com uh, is my website. Coaching is Escape Velocity uh, 11.186. That's on Instagram. So uh, I'm all over the place. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. And that uh, that's our show for today. We appreciate you. Make sure you like and subscribe. We out.